Coming up, tools, tricks, and tips for avoiding convective weather. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. Convective weather is always a conundrum for business aircraft operators. We know to give it a wide berth, and yet sometimes we find ourselves peeking through the green, yellow, and red signals we see on our radar displays. So let's talk about thunderstorm avoidance with NBAA's weather program manager, John Kosak, Brandon Smith, a meteorologist at the FAA's Air Traffic Control Command Center in Warrington, Virginia, and Chad Donaldson, director of aviation at the Harley-Davidson Motor Company and past chairman of the Business Aviation Management Committee. He joins us from Milwaukee. Let's begin with John Kozak, who's also stationed at the NBAA Air Traffic Services Desk at the Air Traffic Control Command Center in Warrington, Virginia. John, this is a crucial topic, especially in springtime. Yeah, Pete, we're just getting started on thunderstorm season. We're talking about March coming in like uh, a lion, maybe. This is the time of the year when we really start to see the convective activity pick up. Uh, and of course, convective activity is not so good for aircraft and it's not so good for air traffic management. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we're seeing. And uh, it seems to me, Brandon, that might be uh, your, your ball of wax there. Tell me a little bit about your job as it relates to helping maintain a steady flow of air traffic across the NAST. Sure thing. So we are really a function of the Aviation Weather Center, which is the National Weather Service's um, kind of national hub for all aviation weather forecasting. Um, and so there's five meteorologists who are permanently stationed here at the command center. And our sole mission is to help them with their mission. And that's keep the NAS safe and operating at an optimum level. So my main function is to take in lots of weather data and interpret that in ways that, you know, helps them make decisions. So we're what they call a decision support services function in the National Weather Service. Well, we're having this part of the conversation. Let me just turn to Jad for a second. And Jad, let me ask you, when you're flying, how important is this service to you? How do you use this ability um, to to see sort of into the, the future when you're looking at your course and the weather that might fall along it? Well, you know, in flight, thunderstorms are something that we take very seriously. I think all, all very good aviators know that they should stay away from thunderstorms as much as possible. And many times, especially in history, what we've always relied on is the, the, the most obvious thing. We just look out the window and when you see it, you try to avoid it as best you can. That becomes problematic when you're actually in the clouds or in embedded thunderstorms where you can't see them. The new weather products that we have available at our disposal today that, that have come about in the last, say, 15 years with the XM weather products and some of the long range uh, NextGrad tools that we can bring to iPads and, and to onboard the flight deck with gives us the ability to look out, as you say, six to 800 miles. And we can make course deviations, may it be at minor ones of maybe five to 10 degrees early on and never come within contact of a major thunderstorm that way and keep our passengers and our aircraft free of any danger. Brandon, three tips from where you sit for thunderstorm avoidance. Would that begin with plan early? Absolutely. In fact, we're, we're a lot better at 
predicting especially significant outbreaks of thunderstorms now than we were even five or 10 and certainly 20 years ago. The very products that you're speaking of use uh, you know, a lot of the latest satellite data, a lot of upgraded radar data. And so we can just simply see things a lot better than we used to. So uh, avoidance certainly is is a key. And, you know, using a lot of these new tools that we have certainly makes that a lot easier. Some other tips when you're talking about trying to help people avoid thunderstorms. You know, I just did a lot of research on this. And, and one of the things that I found was that pilots often tend to use their radar on board or their weather depiction on board tactically rather than strategically. Ted, obviously you've had uh, a lot of experience working with your onboard weather depictions. Is that an issue? Well, certainly I think pilots that, that know how to use their radar correctly, and I would preface that by saying hopefully we've got aviators out there that, that want to learn how to use their radar correctly, and there is a there is some skill set that's required in understanding what you're looking at and how to properly use it uh, for its uh, biggest advantages, especially tactically, uh, Pete, as, as you point out. You know, I, th- I think we look at uh, we look at the products, at, at least in, in, in the Harley-Davidson Aviation Department, in two ways. One, we look at the XM weather as our strategic tool. So that's our long range, as I said before, our six to eight hundred mile outlook. And, you know, even into the 200 to 100 mile outlook. Once we break the 100 mile barrier, we begin to become tactical with our onboard uh, radar systems, which are very good on our uh, currently uh, our current up to date aircraft. Those, those radar products will give us a lot of detail in close and in real time in a way that we're able to move around without the delay that comes from the XM products that are normally, you know, they can be two minutes up to 20 minutes of delay. So you need to know how to interpret the strategic data before you start entering uh, the radar environment where you use the tactical data. That being said, it's still best to avoid these thunderstorms as much as possible. And you know, I have a mantra within our flight department, and we talk about the fact that I can't teach experience. You know, I can teach you how to make good decisions, but I can't give you the experience through a teaching model that's going to let you understand all the things that I've learned over my 40 years of flying. And the issue becomes, you got to kind of get out there and do it, but you want to do it with somebody who can show you the, the, the rules of the road, so to speak, and how this all works. And one of the most important things to learn is try to avoid thunderstorms uh, at all costs. And picking your way through a significant line of thunderstorms is probably not your best way to do it from a strategic standpoint, certainly if you could make that decision early and, and circumnavigate it. That being said, if you're, if you're in the terminal area and you're in close and you're trying to make an approach and there's, you know, maybe not a thunderstorm, but heavy rain showers or some light or moderate convective activity, you're going to be using that radar as a tactical device to get you um, get you to the airport and, and onto the instrument approach and then ultimately to your land. Brandon, you heard Chad talk a little bit about the strategic versus tactical use of weather radar on board the aircraft. Um, and a lot of this depends on who sees what. And I, I wonder if you're versed on that and if you could talk a little bit about what's being seen in terms of weather depiction in the air traffic control system. And what do you see? Well, we've got a lot of these raw products at our disposal here in which, in turn, we use to create you know, a lot of the, the weather depiction uh, items, which you might see on a map, for example, or on the, on the Internet, on a website. Um, it, you know, and those can range from text forecast, you know, you have a terminal forecast, which is written for a very specific location, you know, an airport and, and within a a couple of mile radius around that airport. Um, And then you've got products that are more key to an en route environment. For example, um, we put out uh, center weather advisories from our air traffic control center meteorologists. 
And then on a larger scale, we have SIGMETs, which can cover big areas of thunderstorms. And those are lower bandwidth. And so those might be in an environment where, you know, your data feed might be a little bit limited. You can still see those products online. So uh, you're absolutely right. And, and we all see slightly different things on the radar, but all of that is used, you know, kind of for the same purpose. Yeah, everybody's looking at a different picture. And sometimes that can make it challenging to come up with a unique view as far as how do we all use the same product. And I guess. I'm going to take that moment to turn to the, uh, the TCF, the Traffic Flow Management Convective Forecast. Jad's been talking about some great stuff for the, for the guys and gals that are flying the aircraft, but the TCF is the one product right now that's being used by the command center, uh, severe weather folks, to make decisions about whether or not we're going to have those wonderful airspace flow programs. Uh, and whether or not we're going to have uh, significant reroutes as the result of areas of thunderstorms. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited that we have Brandon here today because as our National Aviation Meteorologist out at the Command Center, Brandon has the opportunity to participate in the uh, chats every two hours that create this product, uh, that give the human in the loop touch to this and, and make it um, a, a nice solid product to allow uh, you know us as users to look at it um you know from the dispatch scheduler's point of view like i would be uh from the pilot point of view like jad would be and then from the air traffic management point of view we're all looking at the same thing so it's a multi-tiered thing the aviation weather center puts out the initial forecast allows the national aviation meteorologist at the command center to have first pass at it because they have a little better idea of how the thunderstorms across the country are going to impact the national airspace system. Once they take that pass, then the second pass goes out to everybody. Uh, the center weather service units across the country in, in every center are allowed to have a look at this at the same time as airline meteorologists and a number of other forecasters who are creating products for the national airspace system. Each center weather service unit is of course a specialist in their particular area. And this allows them to contribute the best information for that particular part of the map. Now, the TCF is not where we're gonna see every single thunderstorm in the system. The important thing to remember about the TCF is that its primary concern is where are we going to see the thunderstorm activity that is most likely to create an issue for traffic flow management, thus the name, traffic flow management convective forecast. So the tops of the storms are really high. There are some thunderstorms that if they're not going to top 29,000 feet, we have a lot of high flyers that'll go right over the tops of these things. That also lends us the knowledge of how powerful some of these storms are likely to be or not to be? That is the question. Brandon, you were talking about the, the people, um, the different functions who actually contribute to, to all of this. The TCF product starts with the Aviation Weather Center meteorologist whose sole function is to create this product every two hours. So they come up with a draft using a whole plethora of model data, current radar and satellite data, and and other, you know, some other things as well. They come up with, with a first guess 
and they send it to the meteorologist here at the command center. So for example, uh, if I'm on shift, I'm, I'm the one who, who gets that and takes a look at it. Then add, I add my take and, you know, my expertise based on the fact that I'm the, uh, the source of weather for the command center. So I have a national look on things. Once the collaboration between the AWC, Aviation Weather Center meteorologist and myself is done, as John said, it gets opened up to all center weather service units, as well as airline meteorologists. And they are, they're the local experts. Um, uh, the center weather service unit meteorologists, they know the little localized, uh, you know, microclimate aspects of their airspace. They know the terrain and they know their air traffic better than just about anybody. Airline meteorologists also add a lot of value because they know a lot about the, the local weather patterns at their particular airports that they have interest in. So what you get is a fully collaborated product that everybody agrees on. And so it really adds kind of a nice path for the air traffic control facilities to use to plan on. Let me go to Jad for just a second. Jad, can you talk a little bit about how you use these products, how these products actually get to you and what happens uh, when, when they do? Yeah, so what the TCF generates comes to us in the forms of, of our terminal area forecasts. Our area forecasts, they come to us in the form of SIGMETs and AIRMETs that they're, they're generating. Um, and it all comes as part of our weather package that, that we would get as, as part of any flight, um, regardless of whether you're filing with uh, Air Inc. Direct or you might be filing with flightplan.com or ForeFlight or, or any of the other filing products that are out there. When, when you pull your weather, a component of those weather products are going to be made up of, of what these folks are doing on their two-hour, four-hour, or four-hour, six-hour, eight-hour looks at what the next weather is going to be. And it helps in the decision-making process, right? It's part of the pre-flight planning of what are you going to encounter along your route and what kind of things to be mindful of and what you need to avoid. So when you are planning your missions at Harley-Davidson, Chad, does this actually help you in terms of big picture this is the big map. This is the beginning of your strategic thinking. You know, it depends on, you know, are you are you taking a 150-mile trip where the terminal area is going to be most important to you, the terminal forecast, or are you crossing the country? And this is going to be more of a national forecast, and you want to see the big picture of, of what's out there, what's coming, and, and what do these uh, meteorologists think we're going to be running into? And so this is the early part of your strategic thinking in how you want to plan your flight and, and what you want to avoid. When you go from the East Coast to the West Coast or vice versa, one of the big things we talk about is, you know, convective activity around the mountains, because the, the mountains out in the Rockies can certainly add a lot of turbulence to your flight in the form of mountain wave and, and other things that can occur. A lot of times, the forecast models that these people put together are extremely helpful in determining, would you like to go north or south of where they think the worst part of that turbulence model is going to sit? And I'm sure that's part of the work that they're doing, because we see a lot of the updates and the notices out there and some of that information coming to us as a strategic move in terms of how we were going to plan those flights. John Kozak, when we look at this big picture, there actually is a sort of a convective plan on convective weather days, right? The, the TCF is the primary tool that the command center is going to use for determining where they might want routes. So just like Jad's trying to plan his individual flight, uh, the folks at the command center are trying to figure out what they're going to do with the 5,500-odd aircraft that are airborne at any given time over the continental United States. It's just like a major highway. I'm sure you're familiar with that concept where if you lose one lane, all of a sudden that constrains the other ones very quickly. Um, the, the sky is 
unfortunately not as unlimited as, as it appears to be. Uh, and everybody's trying to share the same airspace. So if we have um, thunderstorms in the Texas area, for instance, uh, that are impacting, we'll just say, you know, Dallas and Houston on any particular day. Um, the, the folks that would normally fly from the L.A. Basin to uh, Jacksonville or Miami centers uh, can't go through the airspace that they normally go through. Uh, they're all going to get pushed up into uh, maybe Kansas City Center instead of flying through Fort Worth or Houston centers like they normally would. Now we've got to take all that traffic that's trying to go uh, from San Francisco to the East Coast, uh, whether that be the D.C. metros, the New York metros or Boston, and we've got to kind of push that up a little bit. Then all the stuff that's normally flying from the pack Northwest. I mean, you see where I'm going with this, right? So the, the command center is going to be looking at these four, six and eight hour forecasts and trying to figure out if they can accomplish what they need to do with these required reroutes. And then sometimes if we have the weather in the Northeast, whether that's in New York, uh, Cleveland, Washington Center, sometimes we're going to have the airspace flow programs because they've really got to put a clamps on the amount of traffic coming into the Northeast. So this, this is a major tool that if our members are looking at it in advance, like Jad and, and the other smarter pilots and the schedulers and dispatchers, they can have an idea of where they're going to need to flight plan that trip ahead of time instead of you know finding out at the last minute or dialing up the Sirius XM and going, oops, <laughs> I guess I can't go that way. So it's, it's a fantastic tool. I want to end this podcast with some of your best practices when it comes to dealing with convective weather. Brandon, I know that you're a forecaster, you're a meteorologist, you're dealing with best practices from a very different angle than either John or Jad, at least at the beginning of the process. In your mind, what are some of the best practices or even just one that we need to look at when we're dealing with convective weather? Uh, I think with convective weather, more so than just about any other weather element that we have, it's understanding that there's going to be some uncertainty inherent in everything you see. Um, we have come a long way, but we're certainly not perfect in terms of predicting timing, intensity, uh, and location of, of especially individual thunderstorms. Uh, so I think uh, if I were to say, you know, give one message, it's to understand that, you know, weather doesn't have uh, sharp lines and edges and curves and, and what might look like a nice compact picture um, might not be that way in reality. There's always going to be some uncertainty in, uh, in weather forecasts, especially when you're dealing with thunderstorms. So be flexible might be the, the way to, to say that? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, consider your safety first when you're when you're making a decision. So, yeah, Well said. Uh, John Kozak, same question. If I were to ask you from an ATC perspective, what are your favorite best practice tips for dealing with convective weather? What would you tell me? Well, Brandon stole one of them earlier when he said plan early. And that really is easier than it ever has been because the tools that he and other meteorologists produce for us now are so much better. And, and like he said, there, there's no hard edges on these things, but by gosh, you know, if you're paying attention to them and you're using them, you definitely have the ability to 
conduct your flight more safely and efficiently and maybe mitigate some of the delays associated with going through the system. That being said, my second one would be review the tools. And I have three easy tools that I'd love to share with everybody. The first is the TCF. And there's a very easy web address to remember for two of my favorite ones. It's just www.aviationweather.gov and then slant TCF for our traffic flow management convective forecast or slant GFA for the new graphical forecast for aviation. And then you can look for the TS or thunderstorm tab on that product. The third one that I'm a real fan of for just getting a general heads up is something that's provided by the Storm Prediction Center. And again, it's a fairly easy uh, web address. It's just www.spc.noaa.gov. And our folks would be looking for the day one or the day two outlook. And it's just really easy to use. All three of those products will help you plan ahead. And Jen, I want to ask you uh, best practices as well. And I want to lead that question by asking you about perhaps realizing the latency issue as weather is depicted in your cockpit? You know, I, I hear a lot of pilots talk about, especially XM weather, for instance, or any of your NextRad products that we get on the flight deck, whether you're using a Garmin avionics suite or a Collins or a Honeywell or any of the other ones that are out there. These products, they are very detailed. They give a lot of good information. You know, the bottom line is you need to understand what the product is, what it's offering you and how it's working and understanding the latency or the timing of when those updates come to your cockpit is extremely important because you you have to think three-dimensionally what the weather is actually doing and how it's evolving and understanding thunderstorms go through a life cycle and what part of the life cycle is it in and can you actually tell based on what you're seeing whether this is a growing and expanding convective line of storms or is it diminishing and where is it going to be in say 20 minutes an hour 30 minutes whatever how can you determine where that's going to be and then apply that to where your aircraft is going to be accordingly i think that the the best rules of thumb are this when you fly modern day jet aircraft we're mostly concerned about our departure airport and our arrival airport and the weather that's going to occur at both ends in between we have so many tools in our toolbox to mitigate the weather with not only our capability of altitude, you know, into the 40,000 foot range, we're going to be able to top most of the weather. Our XM products, being able to look at NextRad and make that early decision four, five, six hundred miles away. And the avoidance tools that we have available. So the in-route portion of weather doesn't usually affect us very much. However, when that line of thunderstorms is going to be approaching your arriving airport, you're going to want to know what it's doing, how fast it's moving, when is it going to be on the field, what is its intensity, and those are the things that all of the aviation weather model products are going to tell you. They're going to give you a pretty good idea from a forecasting standpoint how that's going to work. And so planning is important. You know, the 6P rule of in my department is proper planning prevents piss poor performance. So if you plan correctly, you're probably going to have a pretty good ride. and You're going to avoid a lot of the weather. You know, the last thing I would say is avoid thunderstorms at all costs. There is absolutely no excuse for flying through a thunderstorm. I'm sorry, in today's modern day cockpit with the tools that we have available, flying through a thunderstorm, not only is it a bad idea, it, it, it could be a life-threatening idea. And the idea that some of my colleagues from the past have always had, let's go give it a go, or let's give it a try, or let's see if we can pick our way through it, putting yourself in a holding pattern, delaying a little bit, slowing down in route, speeding up in route, 
These are all tools in your toolbox to help mitigate thunderstorms at your arrival airport. Delaying your departure. If you have an eminent thunderstorm coming up on an airport, why do you want to start your engines and taxi out? 30 minutes is usually gone. Don't take the chance of getting hit by lightning, running into convective activity, wind shear problems on departure. Why would you want to put yourself in that situation? Look, business aviation, we fly time machines. However, that being said, we don't want to do it at the expense of our safety and the safety of our passengers. So it's very important in all of these discussions, especially around weather and forecasting and onboard products that, that we do things the most safe way we can at all times. And sometimes that's through avoidance, sometimes it's through delay, and certainly it's always good to have planning involved in it at the very front end to uh, make things come out right. And at the end of the day, we're gonna have very successful operations. That's Chad Donaldson, Director of Aviation at Harley-Davidson, speaking to us from his office in Milwaukee. We've also been talking with FAA meteorologist Brandon Smith and NBAA's John Kosak, both at the Air Traffic Control Command Center near Dulles Airport in Virginia. For more information on all things weather-related, check out the webpage nbaa.org weather where you'll find a wide range of aviation weather resources, as well as a link to the friends and partners in aviation weather. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website, at your favorite podcast website, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.